Hey, podcast people. Hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Wednesday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course on TikTok. My username on all these platforms is identical. It is at Polyglot Azrin. That is spelled P O L Y G L O T A Z or Z, depending on your country. R E N. You can also simply search Azrin, the language nerd, on whatever your favorite social network is. So again, that is spelled A Z or Z R E N, the language nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I am very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. I want to share something that I'm very, very happy and very excited about. Yesterday, I restarted a lot of my Gujarati studies. It was the first time in a long time that I sat down and did some practice and actually did some active work with that language. So I'm feeling really proud of myself and really happy about it. I was doing some reading. So I was reading a news article and I was trying to um, basically trying to decipher it and make sure that I'm understanding, pulling out the new words and asking my teacher about the things that I didn't understand. And there were a few different things from this particular experience that I wanted to share with you guys that I think can most likely, if not certainly, help you with your particular, your individual language learning journeys. The first thing is why I actually decided to study yesterday. You see, I live by Google Calendar. I have everything in my calendar. I have my teaching, I have like everything. If you look at my Google Google Calendar, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that's that's in it. It's kind of like my to-do list in many ways. I'll add events and then I'll delete them. I'll add them. When it's done, I'll delete it. I'll add it. When it's done, I'll delete it. So when you look at the upcoming week, there's often a lot of stuff going on. Sometimes you'll see like seven things at the same time. And it's just because I wanted a reminder of doing that thing at that time. So there's a lot of stuff on my calendar. And one of the things that I keep rescheduling and keep pushing back in my calendar and have been for ages is doing some Gujarati practice. But approximately, I would say four days ago, something like that, my teacher reached out to me and she said, hey, Azrin, long time since I've seen you. Um, How are things going? Are you going to be sending any homework? Are you going to be scheduling any lessons? Like what's going on? And that was the message that made me restart. And that that was a, a good reminder that often as language learners, we need an outside influence. We need an outside external person We need another person, essentially, that's going to keep us accountable. You see, we're often as a human species, as an animal, most of us are pretty bad, or at least a lot of us are pretty bad at keeping ourselves on track with the things that we want to accomplish or the things that we want to do. So if it weren't for my Gujarati teacher actually messaging me and being like, hey, Azarin, how are things going? Haven't heard from you in a while. I probably wouldn't have done any Gujarati study yesterday, yesterday, and I wouldn't have actually kind of restarted my studies. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. So this is something that I believe is incredibly important for many of you is to try and find, even if you have a teacher, like a private teacher, a private tutor, and you literally see them, I don't know, once a month for like an hour, something like that. And you've paid them for that time in advance. Like, I think that's a good strategy because then there's There's another person involved in your process and your language learning process, and it will keep you more accountable. A great example of this is my mom, actually. My mom, 
Um, and actually, I have so many examples. Of this. I have so many examples of this. It's crazy. So my mom sees a personal trainer. My mom sees a personal trainer only once a month. And the purpose of that is number one, to make sure that she can visit them and she can get diff she can learn different exercises and and workouts that she should be doing based on her goals. And it's a form of accountability to make sure she continues to go for that month because she doesn't want to go to the meeting and the personal trainer goes, hey, how was the past month? And mom goes, uh, I did nothing. Like it's terrible. It kind of feels bad saying that to someone. So it gives her that accountability. And it's just overall a very good idea. At my old line of work, we had a, a very similar um, system for accountability. So as you guys know, I used to run a window cleaning business um, before. And one of the things that we had at that franchise in all levels of the franchise was something called a GSNR, goal setting and review. So GS and R. And these were weekly half hour calls. Sometimes they'd be bi-weekly, like it would sometimes depend, but they were regular half hour calls, right? Where um, regular half hour calls where you had a one-on-one -on -one call with whoever your direct supervisor was. And he talked about like, hey, what were the goals for the week? How did things go? Um, what are you looking at for the next week? And it was an excellent, a very good accountability system. It was a really, really good system. And it was a great way um, yeah, it's just a really, really good system overall. Not a perfect system, because there were definitely some issues and sometimes it wouldn't work out well, but but generally it's a very strong system and, and, and is really good. So all that to say that you need, we often need that external accountability to keep us on track. Number two, the second learning point from uh, my Gujarati studies yesterday was the role of confidence. The role of confidence in terms of fluency and how strong that we are in other languages. So let me, explain what I mean. I speak Mandarin and I speak Gujarati. These are two languages that I speak and I'd speak neither of them at a super duper 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 fluent level. I still have room to grow in both languages. That said, I feel, I probably feel more confident conversing and communicating in Mandarin than I do in Gujarati, which is weird because when you objectively look at my levels and my abilities in both of these languages, I am definitely much stronger in Gujarati. I'm I know object I objectively know more words. I objectively know more of the grammar and I understand the grammar. I I have grown up with Gujarati. So I've, I've spoken it for way longer. Right? So I am I I'm I'm actually stronger in Gujarati, but it's crazy to me how I feel way more confident actually speaking in Mandarin. So what that means is because of that 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 phenomenon it plays into my it plays into my studies, like I do way less conversation practice than I in man in Gujarati than I do in Mandarin because I'm way less confident. I feel like inside my brain that I'm not that strong at Gujarati when objectively speaking, I actually am pretty damn good at the language. Like I feel more this is crazy. I feel more confident sitting down with someone and helping them learn some Mandarin than I do Gujarati, which is nuts because I'm way better at Gujarati. To give you some perspective, like I could never at this stage of my life open up some Mandarin newspaper or news article and read it on my own with a dictionary and just figure it out. That would take me forever. But yesterday for Gujarati, I was looking through news articles. Now, some were really difficult and I was like, okay, this is really hard for me. There's a lot of words I don't know. Some of them were really long or really boring. I was like, I don't want to do that. Even the one I chose, like it took me a good 45 minutes, 45 minutes to read 
uh, maybe like a third of the article, um, which is a lot longer than English, but I was able to do it and it wasn't an unsurmountable challenge. It was a challenge, it was difficult. I had to look some words up and I had to think about it and I had to ask my teacher a couple questions, but generally I was definitely within my grasp to be able to do that. But Mandarin, hell no, I don't have that kind of level yet. I can turn on random videos in, in Gujarati and I can understand enough to kind of follow along. Um, I could, if I watch them multiple times and I kind of listen closely, I can even understand probably 90, uh, let's say, yeah, 80 to 90% of a video if I really sit with it and spend an hour on it and really analyze it. If I watch it casually, I can probably understand 70, 60, 70%, something like that. Mandarin, hell no, that would not happen. I'm not, I don't have that level yet. So it's just interesting how confidence plays a role in our, in our uh, abilities and, how, and more in how we feel in another language. Seeing as I feel less fluent in Gujarati, it affects, even though I am way stronger, it actually affects my outward expression with Gujarati. It affects how I actually end up speaking because I don't feel confident, so I feel nervous, which means I make more mistakes, which means I don't put myself out there, which effectively, even though in my brain I have the knowledge, I really have the skill set to be reasonably strong in Gujarati, even though I have all that, I don't actually use that skill because I don't have the confidence. Interesting stuff, right? Versus Mandarin, I have way more confidence, but way less skill, but it means that I come across as having way more skill in Mandarin. <laughs> and like, I actually do, and I actually use it, and I'm using the tools I have in Mandarin, but I'm not in Gujarati. Just an interesting stuff I was thinking about yesterday. Now, the other thing that came across to me that was really um, interesting with Gujarati was yesterday, as I'm reading this article, um, what happened afterwards is, first of all, I'm reading it, obviously. Then what I did is I sent it to my teacher via WhatsApp. Um, I read the article out loud so she can correct any pronunciation errors or anything like that in case I was making any. Then I asked her a couple of questions like, hey, how do you say this? I'm not sure what this word means. I'm, this one specific line, I'm a little bit unclear on what they're trying to say. Like, I just asked her some questions and I sent her a bunch of voice notes, a bunch of text messages, like a bunch of different types of messages. And it occurred to me as I'm recording these voice notes and sending my teacher these voice notes that the way I speak with my teacher is not at all how I speak Gujarati with anybody else that I actually regularly communicate with. Communicate with, yes. So people I communicate with in Gujarati are in my family. My mom, my grandparents, like uh, great uncles and aunts. Like I, I, These are like mostly family members that I communicate with in Gujarati. And the way I talk to my teacher is completely different. And it's because my family, everybody speaks Gujarati fluently, at least, at least the older generations do. Everyone speaks it fluently. It's kind of their mother tongue. It's their first language. However, there's a few caveats. The biggest caveat, the most important one that's relevant to this podcast here, is how long my whole family's been in Canada. We have been here for a long time, almost, I want to say 47 or 48 years, give or take, approximately. That's a long time. And what that means is that English, well, number one, English has influenced my family's Gujarati. They use English mixed in their Gujarati in ways that they don't do in India. And second of all, there's certain accent related things. There's just certain things that when you're removed from the country that speaks your language and you're all just kind of in one community somewhere else, things change and you take and your language kind of changes. It evolves because it evolves differently because you're not sur you're surrounded by different people. 
So because of that, my family speaks in a very different way. In fact, even when there will be two people in the older generation whose first language is, is Gujarati, it's crazy that often they'll be speaking in English because they're equally comfortably comfortable in English. They're more used to speaking in English nowadays. So they're speaking this like weird Gujarati English hybrid with like, so that's how my family speaks. When they speak to the younger generation, they often just speak in English, even if they're capable of learning Gujarati or they speaking Gujarati, things like that. English is often what they will speak, okay? Um, additionally, one extra factor here is a little bit of a nerves factor. Um, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but I definitely, uh, I'm way more afraid of making mistakes in front of my own family and saying silly things and blah, blah, blah. I'm way more afraid of, I'm way more nervous with that than I would be with making mistakes with anyone else. So that's also a factor. So all of these factors, right, lead me to to acting in a, act rather, speaking in a very different way with my family than I do with my teacher. Um, and I, I, it made me realize that um, the environment we are in, the people we that surround us, that speak our target language, have a heavy influence, have a massive influence. Um, in fact, I could even say dictate. Maybe, I, I don't even feel that, I don't, I don't even think that's too strong of a word. Often the people we are around in many ways dictate the way that we end up speaking in that language. Like literally, I wish, in many ways, I wish I had a recording of me speaking to my family and a recording of me speaking to my teacher. It's, it's, it's two different people. It's completely different. Because when, when I speak to my teacher, I speak a much more proper Gujarati, a much more, not even proper, I could say a much more standard dialect. I speak how I, I do, I speak something, I speak in a way that is comparable to someone living in India, like someone living in some major city of India and like having a life there. I make mistakes, grammar mistakes. I will sometimes um, not know how to say a word and there are there's issues, there's problems, there's learning that I still have to do, but it's definitely way more comparable versus if you, if you listen to my Gujarati with my family, it's garbage. It's not a good Gujarati, like it's not even, Number one, it's our version of Gujarati, which is fine. It's our family's dialect, which is totally fine. But then I butcher it by using a lot of English. I mispronounce stuff. I got a bit of an English accent. I, I'm like lazy with it. I'm kind of feeling nervous a little bit when I speak. So I'm like, maybe I'll stutter. I'm like scared to say certain things that I want to say, but 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 don't want to say because I'm kind of scared. They don't know how to say it. And then I'll cop out, say it in English. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff going on in my mind, which affects how I speak. So it's completely, it's a completely different version and I'm very different in both environments. Um, and I think that's very, very, it just really interests me that the people we're around and the people we're speaking to and how we're feeling inside really dictates or at a minimum has a heavy, heavy, heavy influence on how we end up communicating. Which is why in many ways, I've said this before, this is not new, but it's a good point to bring up. It's why I believe that input in many ways drives our output, right? Input drives our output in many ways. I've said this once before, where the people who are around us, the things we're hearing, the people that are talking to us, um, the people we're conversing with, these people that are talking to us heavily influence the way that we are then going to use the language and speak the language. I'll give one last anecdote and then we'll finish this, uh, this podcast off. Um, it reminds me a lot of like um, French and Spanish. I speak French and Spanish, both of them, very, 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 very well. I feel incredibly comfortable in both languages. Like, 
throw on a TV show, throw on a radio program. Like, like I feel very comfortable. Granted, there, there will always be certain words I don't know or certain dialects that are harder, certain accents that are harder for me, like obviously. But generally, generally speaking, like I feel very comfortable in both languages, okay? Um, that being said, I had very different experiences learning those two languages. I had different people around me. I was surrounded by different people. I was different ages. I was very different ages when I was learning both. Um, I is very, very different learning experiences. So one particular example of this was French. You know, when I, one of the most pivotal moments in my French learning journey was when I was in France. I was a teenager. I was 15 or 15 years old. And I was living with the French family, as I've shared many, many times. The, the other, my French exchange student who was living in that house, the French guy, right? At that point in time, you know, him and a lot of friends, like a lot of the, not just him, but a lot of people I knew had a very, um, I don't want to say vulgar, but they had a very slangy way of speaking. And I was like, oh, this is how people speak. And that's what I ended up imitating. That's what I ended up learning. And so even when I came back to Canada, there was a period of time where I was speaking way too slangy for school. Like that's not how you should be speaking. And when I look at my French now in comparison to when I was 16, 15, 16, my overall fluency like comfort with the language is probably very comparable. I felt, thinking back to how I remember anyway, I felt pretty comfortable in French when I was 16. Like I remember feeling like, wow, French is like my English. I remember having that thought. But now I have a much more deeper knowledge. I'm able to communicate in non-slangy ways and slangy ways, like I'm much more educated and smarter with the language than I used to be. Um, and so when I was first learning, like I was around those kinds of environments and therefore, I learned a lot of slang, a lot of swears. I know a lot of swears in French. I can follow a lot of the swears. Like I really know a lot about it. Spanish was very different. Um, in Spanish, I was a little bit older when I had kind of those pivotal moments. Not that much older, but definitely a little bit older. The people I was around were definitely older than me. Like I was around a lot more adults, um, people in their 20s or 30s or 40s sometimes. Like I was around people who are a little bit older. I was a little bit older as well. I was also starting to study Spanish in university. So I was around a very academic Spanish. I was learning that. So what was interesting is that for a long time, in fact, even to this day, my swearing knowledge and maybe even overall slang knowledge, if I had to compare them, is probably less deep in Spanish than it is in French. I have a much deeper knowledge of slang and swears and blah, 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 that kind of language in French than I would in Spanish. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's how it is because of the people that I was around. I also speak Spanish. I find a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Way more, uh, I don't know if casually is the word, casually is the wrong word, but maybe more in a more relaxed manner, it rolls off my tongue. It really just rolls off my tongue kind of naturally and I feel very comfortable and it slides off my, slides out of my mouth and, and, and it just feels very natural. French also feels very natural, but in a different way. The feedback I get on my French is like, wow, your French is like, like, it sounds nice. Like people often tell me like, wow, you sound like, you really sound French. Like it sounds super nice and like, and like educated and, 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 and really good. Like they're really, there's a certain, um, it's kind of like when you hear someone with, I think, I'm guessing anyway, um, 
it reminds me, what I'm guessing others feel like when they hear my French is probably the same way, I'm guessing, that I feel when I see someone who has a gorgeous British accent. They've learned a, a, they've learned English as a foreign language. They're, they're amazingly perfect at it. And they have this gorgeous British accent. It's like, wow, like a proper nice British accent that very few people actually have nowadays. Very few people are actually that eloquent and well-spoken and blah, blah, blah. Um, but they have it, and it's not wrong, it's not wrong by any means. In fact, it's actually very correct, it's, it's amazing. That's almost something in that, it's my French leans more in that direction than my Spanish does. And again, it has to do with the people I was around. When I, when I had my pivotal learning points in French, yes, I was around a lot of slang and swearing and stuff at school. At school with my friend, my one French exchange student, right? But in the house where I lived, that family was incredibly smart with French. They're incredibly educated. In fact, even my French exchange student was, and they would like really teach me like, oh, no, 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 that's a slight mispronunciation. And we actually say it like this. I would say certain words, they say, that's wrong. We'd actually pull out the dictionary. They have this big fat dictionary. We'd actually pull it out and check it together. Every day, they used to listen, they used to watch this word game show on TV together while we ate. We would like watch it, it was called, uh, uh, les chiffres et les lettres, I think, or something like that, which is like, they would like get these letters and try and make big words. And I never knew what they meant, but they would teach me, oh, this is a word from blah, blah, blah. And it actually is a very fancy word for this. Or, so I was around another very, that kind of environment as well, which therefore influenced a lot of my, a lot of my French. And that's kind of, that was a pivotal moment, moment for me, which now influenced, which has now had really dictated in many ways or heavily influenced the way that I speak today. So it's just a really big thing that a lot of stuff that came out just from that one study session yesterday of Gujarati that I wanted to share with you guys. Anyway, I appreciate your attention. You guys are the best. We've been going for long enough and we will talk very, very soon. Bye for now. See you.